You're tuning in to the Black Hollywood Live Network, featuring news, interviews, and commentary on all things Black Hollywood. Hollywood redefined. From Los Angeles, California, presented by Maria Menunos and streaming live thanks to Akamai Technologies. This is Black Hollywood Live Conversations, featuring in-depth interviews with actors, writers, producers, and directors. Black Hollywood Live, Hollywood redefined. You're listening to Black Hollywood Live. And now, the host of Black Hollywood Live Conversations. Hey guys, welcome to Black Hollywood Live's Conversations. I am joined with Grammy Award winning music legend Kirk Wallum. Willem. And Willem. That's and right, Willem. Both. We're saying both names here. <laughs> Thank you for joining me today. Thank you, man. And thanks for calling me a legend, man. I tear up when I hear that word. No, I, but, but honestly, like when you look at your body of work, and yeah. first of all, I have to say t- over 20 albums, yeah. like you're the hardest man <laughs> working in this industry. Um, but no, as I was kind of telling you before, when, when you know, I was told that you were coming in, I, I, I had done some research on you. I was like... Me and my dad used to have choreography to the Whitney Houston saxophone breakdown. <laughs> like, we would be in the car with each other, yeah. and this is really dangerous, actually, but we would right. be, we'd yeah. have our little car choreography. Yeah, who's driving, you know? Well, yeah, we won't talk well, about that. Well, the gospel according to Jeff, I mean, the gospel according to I'm sorry, so Whitney Houston, seven years working, traveling, and one little stop on the road was to do this... Um, you know, this film uh, soundtrack, a song, you know, where she basically decided she insisted that she had to sing the song live to the film. Mm. And, uh, you know, the, the directors were like, Man, we're not going to do that. But, you know, oh, that's a great idea, wouldn't it? Yeah, that's an excellent idea. And so they sort of then finally said, you know, what? I don't think we can do that. And she said, well, you know, I don't think I can sing it. <laughs> and so finally she says, I tell you what, go ahead and do it like you want to do it, you know, with the lip syncing and all that. She said, promise you got to have somebody to sing it mm-hmm. because I am not going to, if I sing it, I'm going to sing it live, number one, to the film. And number two, my band is going to be playing as I sing. So imagine here you logistics in movie land don't work like that. Right. You know, <laughs> and so, but, but by the way, now they do a lot of that. But she was one of the first, and the fact that I I can say that the saxophone solo I played on that record, which, by the way, I'm a jazz musician, I'm over here doing my thing, making Kirk Whalum records, and I get this call to tour with her, and didn't know it was going to be seven years, to do that song, now the saxophone solo I played off the cuff uh, has been heard by more people than any other recorded saxophone solo uh, to this to this day. Wow! So that that's a pretty incredible uh, legendary. You know, I guess <laughs> le- legendary. I don't know about that, but it was absolutely not. Uh, it was serendipitous, but not sort of random. It mm. was her saying, "I want my band." And by the way, again, with the project called the Gospel According to Jazz, obviously, I'm serious about my vertical connection with yes. Creator, and I believe that really her intentionality of doing that was not just because we play with her but because we pray with her we pray for her that was our whole thing is that we were sort of her her support system you know her extended family Mm. and she knew she was safe when we were around because we were praying for her and you know that that's huge for any artist but for someone like her you know in french we say une vedette like somebody who's like not just a you know artist this is an you know an icon 
Um, that it puts you in a category that is extremely difficult to sort of be a real person and have a real life. And so with that being the case, you need prayer. You need somebody undergirding your every move, and, and that's what we were for her. And uh, kind of to piggyback off that, you uh, just released this new DVD, yes. The Gospel According to Jabs, Chapter 4. Yes. And uh, as we get into that, I want to rewind a little bit to just yes. kind of get into your head. Uh, you're from Memphis, Tennessee. Yes. Uh, you grew up, your family was very much into jazz. Um, one thing that I had read is that you said uh, music is the highest form of communication. Yeah. Um, Tell me about what it was like for you growing up with the jazz family. Um, obviously, it was in your blood. Did you always know this is what you were going to do? To this was going to be, you yeah. know, your your the life prodigy. Sure. Well, I'll say that you know when you play as an artist, when you do art on this level in terms of you know like international travel and that kind of thing, it's a calling, really. You know, you, sometimes it takes you a while to get to it, but but when you do, you know that's what you are called to do. Mm-hmm. And so you're, if you're smart, you'll get about the business of preparing for that. So you go to school, you study and all of that. Um, for me, it was definitely that. I knew right away was, as a kid that I wanted to play music, and there was no question, oh, maybe I should do this or I could do that. It was already sealed. Um, and my family wasn't so much a jazz family as a musical family. Okay. And growing up in Memphis, we called Soulsville, USA. Soul music. I mean, yeah. I mean, the blues and soul music, you know. That was what I was. I cut my teeth on. Talk to me about Memphis R&B. Yeah, so the difference is that, let's say, for instance, we talk about soul music. People think immediately Motown. Absolutely, you know, you know, R and B, soul music, but you gotta go back a little bit further, <laughs> you know, in the root system, yep. and you get to a place called Memphis, and that's really um, kind of ground zero. You go further, you in the Mississippi Delta, you go further, you're in slavery, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, Memphis is that place. It was the New York of the South, right. and so that's where all the blues artists were trying to get, and then ultimately it kind of morphed a little bit into rhythm and blues, and then this. Then of a sudden you got this guy um, who comes along in Memphis, uh, you know, singing this music. You're like, who is this guy? And you're like, really? I, I mean, the idea that one person could could almost change the whole direction of, of music, Otis Redding. Mm. Otis Redding was there to bring somebody else. He was sort of chauffeuring another band to, you know, that they could audition at Stax Records in Memphis, S-T-A-X. You can look at the Stax Museum of American Soul Music online and see about this. But Otis Redding changed the whole game. And so now all the European rock bands and everybody is trying to cop what Otis Redding was doing in Memphis. So that's just one vignette about the impact of Stax music in particular and soul music in Memphis in general has had on, you know, world culture, world music. Okay, so I'm going to sound so ignorant right now. Um, I never realized there were so many different types of saxophonists. <laughs> um, what do we have? Uh, well, soprano? So, so it's like a choir. Like okay. if, you know, if you ever sing in the choir, you know, there are sopranos that sing the high My notes. My mom's going to kill me for you. Like, <laughs> That's all right. So review is good. Altos sing the not so high notes. Yep. Mostly, you know, ladies are sopranos and altos. Then you got the tenors, mostly men. The tenors, you know, Pavarotti, right? Yep. Then you got the baritones and the basses. Well, uh-huh. soprano, alto, tenor, baritone, bass. 
Each one of those represents a saxophone, right? The soprano is the one that John Coltrane sort of made popular. Sidney Bechet years ago, um, almost 100 years ago. Uh, and then alto people like David Sanborn, Hank Crawford, um, uh, Cannonball Adderley. Tenor, mostly John Coltrane, uh, Michael Brecker. Um, I play tenor primarily and soprano. Baritone is the big guy, you yeah. know, and, uh, you know, it's a little inconvenient to carry around. Bass pretty much you don't see much anymore. They, a few people still make them, but it's, it's just rudely huge. It's just no way to, you gotta drag it around. Mm. You could ride it to the gig, basically. And also the flute. I play flute as well. And that is more, you know, the fact that the Woodwind family, you know, kind of started with the flute, which is now not wood, <laughs> but it was made out of wood, just like you see a recorder yep. that was the original flute. And, um, you know, then eventually they, they, the, the French made what they call the flute transversaire, which is, you know, sideways and it's made out of metal. And that's the one I play. But I'll let you know. That, that's geeky music stuff. That's, I love, I love it, talking it's about in, it. It's interesting <laughs> to me. Because uh, I always, growing up, I always wondered, why do they make us play the record, the recorder? Why yeah. do we have and to play the recorder? It's a great in- entree into the world yeah. of, you know, blowing something to make a, a pretty sound, you know. Um, and the fact that you close one hole, and then you close two, and the sound goes lower, and three, lower. And that that's a very good sort of physics exercise for non-musicians. You know? So to move from physics, I want to talk a little bit about spirituality. Yes. So for you, growing up in Memphis, was spirituality something that was heavy in your family? Absolutely. And where did the music... Yeah, and you could really say that my family was equal parts, you know, music and ministry. Lots of preachers and, um, you know, gospel singers uh, orators. My, my grandfather was a great orator, uh, in the faith, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, so I saw, you know, being, I'm a PK, a preacher's kid. So I, you know, I'm being raised in a, in a family where I'm listening to my dad preach sermons every Sunday. And, um, so it didn't take long for me to figure I won't do that too. And, uh, that's sort of a dynamic, right? Father, son, and sometimes father, daughter, et cetera. Uh, but I, I have always seen myself doing that. It took me a long time to kind of reckon with that, you know, because right. it wasn't kind of popular, you know, around your kids. What are you going to do? I'm going to be a fireman. What are you, I'm going to preach. You know, it's like, <laughs> man. And also you had a lot of people trying to tell you, hey, you know, I know you're going to be a preacher like your dad. So what do you do? You're like, I'm going to do anything but that just because you think that's what I'm going to do. But ultimately, uh, around 1991, I accepted that calling. Uh, to the ministry, but it's it's like a ministry that is wrapped in a enigma and wrapped in a, a saxophone case. You know, for me, my ministry is through my music, mm-hmm. and it's about communicating, uh, <coughs> using music as a language, and connecting people right horizontally with the vertical. That you know, here's God, who I believe created all of us again, ways that we can't really understand. We yeah. It evolved and it all that did this, you know, scientifically, we know that. But I truly believe that there was somebody intelligent and in charge of that. <laughs> what would Jesus do? And so for me, I share my my faith, my belief through my music. And so, yeah, it, it's it's all, you know, people say, well, oh, well, do you pass for church? No. And yes, it's like my church is the world. You know, I go out and the, and the world is my pulpit. The congregation is the world. Exactly. <laughs> and I'm not, you know, hitting anybody over the head. I'm just presenting this. Um, we're, we're sort of visualizing the invisible. Like I play and I'm trusting God to manifest in mm-hmm. this sound that will hit a person's heart and they go, wow, okay, you know, 
I think I feel that. Yeah, I definitely feel that. Don't know what to do with it. And so that's kind of where we come from, where where Jesus is 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 behind all of this because of the fact that, you know, his desire to do something creative, anything to grab a person's attention and say, you know what, I don't care what your faith is, you're Muslim, you're, Islam, you're, you're Jewish, whatever, that this Jewish man, one person in history did something that no one else did, and 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 that is to bridge the gap between humans and the like creation and creator, and uh, dealing with the whole issue of sin and rebellion, all of that was taken care of by this Jesus, and so I'm just so grateful for that. That it's my pleasure and privilege to share it. Wow. Um, so the Gospel according to Jazz, uh, Volume One, is kind of your first. We say chapters because it's sort of like the gospel according to John, chapter 5. So the gospel according to Jazz, chapter 1, 2, 3, and then now 4. So starting with the first one, uh, that was kind of your birth for what we'll call uh, your church? Yeah, I guess you could say that. You know, really, it it, it came out of a big disappointment, really. I was um, recording. Again, I'm a mainstream, some people say secular recording artist. I play jazz and R&B, and we dance and have fun. And that's, you know, to this day, that's what is kind of my job. And I love it and uh, my vocation. But one day I was, um, you know, dropped unceremoniously from Columbia Records uh, and of your own, your whole old home of New York. And, uh, you know, th- that day was a devastating day for me. And, you know, it's one thing to over-spiritualize it and say, well, God had another plan. No, I was really just <laughs> pull up, you know. And at that moment, man, it's like my wife, who is my girlfriend, I met her when I was 15. And oh, so wow. by now we've been married for like 10 years. And so... And she says to me, okay, what can you do today? Someone's like, she's like this. What can you do today that you couldn't do yesterday when you were a Columbia recording artist? I'm like, dang. What a girlfriend. That is Wow. I'm like, and sure enough, it it started me thinking creatively as opposed to, you know, uh, succumbing to this existential, you know, uh, disaster. And sure enough, um, I said, wow, I would do this series that sort of brings together all the areas of my life, you know, the, the artistic, the, you know, the creative, the jazz, the, you know, the, uh, the ministry, all of that. And it would be called, you know, the Gospel Court of Jazz, a name that my manager came up with, uh, Earl Cole. And, and at, at that time, I had been touring with George Duke, the great George Duke, who, who's now passed away, you know, who played with Frank Zappa, who is, you know, basically, iconic when it comes to playing the keyboard and you know he and Jonathan Butler and a lot of great artists they weren't really venturing into this area because it was sort of sacred secular you sort of had to pick one mm-hmm. you know either your mainstream or your gospel and I'm like why can't we do both basically and um and and they they dug the idea because we had sort of been messing around with it in different shows and in the middle of this show just after playing you know um you know, da da ba doom boom boom reach for it, boom 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 boom. Right. We get through playing that and we go into Precious Lord Take My Hand. And people we got the standing ovation on that song. Wow. Okay. And so which says that, you know, people out there really do wanna hear what's what you know what matters to you. Mm-hmm. They may or may not agree with it, but boy, it can touch them and maybe provide an uh, an an opening for them to make that, that move as well. Uh for you, a little uh, question would be, growing up 
religious because mm-hmm. I, I tend to go through this problem with myself and then also being in entertainment. Yeah. Sometimes there are things where, you know, you have to question, well, is that the right thing for me to do? Is mm-hmm. is this the right calling in this field? And how do you kind of ba- – how, how did you kind of balance the – because especially, you know, I mean, from what I hear about the stories of the jazz clubs, you know what I right. mean? They weren't right. really looked at as, yeah. you know, the most wholesome. Yeah, yeah place. so places. How did you kind repeat. of find that inner balance within yourself? Well, that that scenario that you present there is one that every single person of faith, okay. And again, I would say the Christian faith. As a person sitting here as a Muslim would say, yeah, I deal with that same mm-hmm. thing. You know, uh, it's it's it it should be something that we all do. And I think that. The average person of faith does deal with that, no matter what job you're in. Okay, I happen to be in the entertainment industry, which has these overt evidences of, you know, what, you know, people shouldn't be doing right. and that shouldn't be thinking and all of that, right? We we sort of portray that as our business, you know, whether it's in, you know, visual arts or, you know, in TV or, or whatever, um, theater, for, especially in music, you know, people associate music with with particular behavior, you know, like, okay, this music here, I think of this behavior. But some of that is in people's heads. But at the same time, there is a very real kind of soul searching that one has to do to say, hey, what is the what is the possibility of me being who I am and whose I am in a in a in a scenario where people are making assumptions about me uh, that may or may not be true, and to represent someone, uh, you know, as a calling in a context of mainstream pop culture, to represent someone who's calling them to 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 live higher, to live a more just life, to live a more peaceful life, to live a more purposeful life. I mean. To me, that is red meat for, you know, sorry if you're a vegetarian, uh, those green vegetables for, you know, for somebody who who is out here as we are in mainstream culture. And, and yet you are a person of faith. Man, I mean, it, it can be done. People do it every day. I mean, and I'm, I'm very much inspired by other people in, in the entertainment industry who love God and who who pursue God and every day in their daily lives, their daily walks, they wake up saying, okay, let me just first of all get down on my face uh, and set the record straight. And then, you know, let me just sort of fill my, my head and my heart with something that may draw me closer to God or may lift me up or cause me to think, um, you know, godly thoughts or try to position my my life in, in, in a way that, that God would be pleased and God could say, okay, now I want you to go here. Because you you can't really hear instructions if you're not tuned in. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, like we've got to be tuned in here to, to hear what it is we're seeing. So if you tune in early in the morning, then you have a better chance of, of hearing maybe some marching orders or maybe, you know, you should call so-and-so. Or, you know, have you thought about stopping this particular thing? Or have you ever thought about Maybe this relationship isn't good. You know, like all those things can come to one. And then then, then you have this whole day to live it out and to be in relationship with other people. It's not about, okay, let me get this book open and who can I judge today for doing this or doing that. It's like that's that's completely antithetical to what yep. Jesus like. What would Jesus do? Not that, right? What Jesus was about, how can I form a, a bond with you? Let me tell you this story, this parable. 
oh wow man this is a cool dude and then you go wait a minute you are the son of god and you're sitting here just hanging out with me that's what the prostitute said she yeah. said really she couldn't believe he was talking to her you know like a man talking to a woman even at you know just that let alone you know here she i make my living you know in sex you know and jesus is like i love you so sue me right so it's it's pretty heavy stuff, but I think that's 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 the door that that is open for us when we're willing to think creatively and non-linear, you know, the sort of linear thinking of sort of fundamentalists, and uh, you know that, that 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 can get us just all tied up in knots, man. And I feel like in the '90s we had there was kind of a rise of mixing pop music or mm-hmm. with gospel music, and it come kind of becoming more mainstream. Um, feel like the early 2000s it started to sizzle out as to where hip-hop started kind of making a bigger sound mm-hmm. um and then i feel like now we're starting to get a second kind of wave of it um as far as your view of music today yeah uh, do you see it kind of moving back in this direction and coming right. back to the sound of instruments because i feel like we've gotten so far away from right anyone actually having live bands anymore well i'll say you know maybe you hit on two things one is sort of you know spiritually uh significant content right and the other thing is um you know like um i say acoustic instruments and, and sort of the real music thing you know even if even it's grunge at least you know like people playing instruments yep. so yes i think that it was inevitable that that would happen, and and then even on the spiritual side, that you know you can you can only skate around it for so long. You eventually got to kind of deal with the fact that there's more to this thing than, you know, oh, there's an iPhone and I uh, see how this works and I'll just get an app for this. And no, I mean, guess what? That we're we're more than just a, a mind and a body. You know, we actually do have a soul and we're we're spiritual beings. So you can't just not be that. You that's who we are. So then you say, well, how can I approach this? And that's the sort of scary part. But I, I'm grateful that in the, in the Gospels, Jesus said, you know what? you got to come to this like a little kid. He said, literally said that um, if you can't receive this as a little child, you're not going to get it. Mm-hmm. Right. So, yes, it's it's the it's the deepest of the deep. Right. It's profoundly profound. Right. But at the same time, it's a flower. You pick up that flower and then that's freaking awesome. And Jesus it's is like, like right? <laughs> and so there you make the connection. Um, the side note, um, I was at a, a club uh, two months ago. And Michelle, You're sinner man, I know. But they played Michelle Williams of Destiny's Child nice. when Jesus said, and I was like, "Are they really playing this right now?" Yeah, and everyone was so they into it, it and I always had to imagine because when you when you play stuff like that, or I download it, and you know I like to yeah. listen to it, and yeah. my friends will be like, "What are you listening to?" I'm like, "This goes. This song is everything." Well, yeah. uh, or and Erica then, Campbell's new, uh, she put it to trap hip hop. Nice. So I love that we're starting to create, seeing okay, this is what they're listening to. Okay, how can we kind of Trojan horse it? <laughs> That's a great way of putting it, and, and, and not and get only get them to listen to that message. Yeah, and, and and I think you know we do really have to we have to be clever. Just like in Madison Avenue, they're clever, and just like in Hollywood, clever about, okay, my agenda is this. Now, you say, is the agenda a just agenda, right? 
Sometimes yes, sometimes no. But either way, you're going to figure a clever way to get yep. it out there, right? Oh, just buy this, just get this free app. But really, what we're going to do? So, I mean, yeah. If at the end of the day, you got something that you know is is wonderful, someone who's wonderful, that that you don't feel bad about. Like, well, let's let's see how we can kind of get this out. And that's why instrumental music, jazz in particular, is so cool because I can play something. I wish I had my horn here. I can play something (laughs) and there would be an immediate connection with whoever is out there because they're not not fighting me off because of this label or this other thing. No, all of a sudden now we have a connection. And that connection is altruistic. And it absolutely came from the creator, creative creator. And man, from there, God is able to say, okay, check this out if you think that's cool you know uh the passion that you have uh behind i don't even know how to describe this uh the passion that you have behind your sound i guess we'll say yes. it like that mm-hmm. um and the innovation because here you are an instrumentalist yes. and you created a dvd and a cd i yeah. love it because there's two different types of mindsets in right. today's generation mm-hmm. visuals yeah and audios. Um, I'm an audio person. You know, this is like wake up in the morning, go for my jog, listen, sit yeah. in my car, listen. Um, why was it important for you to kind of make sure that we have these two types of yes. platforms uh, to get them out to people? Sure. Oh, so the Gospel According to Jazz series is about uh, this snapshot, you know, this one um, two-hour concert. And now we've done four of them. Um, first one, we couldn't afford the videotape. And, and so they're all, except for that one, available on video. Um, and because there is uh, something unique about hearing it and sort of closing your eyes and kind of allowing that that dialogue to take place, yeah, that is, that exchange, um, that divine encounter. The sound to paint the picture. Absolutely. You know, and God loves that. You know, I mean, God is the ultimate artist, right? Um, and then for those people who are visual and who want to kind of, it is an interesting, captivating thing to see this music being made, especially mm-hmm. knowing that improvisation is about spontaneous composition. Okay, this is, yeah, we practiced the songs and we got the scaffolding, the framework. Now, whoo, the Spirit of God comes in and creates these notes and this thing and it builds and it's like, or drum solo and it's like, wow, you know, when you Where see you it. Go? You see, you like, wow, that dude didn't even know what he was going to play until he played it. And see, to me, that's the miracle that is captured in the gospel according to jazz and in this type of thing where it's a snapshot. And we, and of course, being artists, you know, we want to go back and say, I wish I could fix this and change that. No, you can't do it. It's like, this is what God meant. Like, whatever that blemish or that, you know, mistake, quote unquote, was, it was meant to be there. And then eventually, like, I kind of like that mistake. It's a sort of funny thing that keeps things moving forward, you know. I love that, you know, you said 1991 was when you had that kind of revelation. Yes. Um, I was reading something when uh, Jay-Z and Kanye West had came up with their uh, double album. Kanye said, we're going to go on tour, he said, because the church is dead. Mm. Concerts are the new church. Okay. And I sat with that for a little bit, and I was like, mm-hmm. <laughs> you singing Blank in Paris. I don't know if we want to call that, ch- you know, someone who grew up in the church. I was right. kind of like, yeah. what is he saying? But to hear this, 
and to apply that statement mm-hmm. to what you're saying yeah. and what the sound is actually the story that the sound is actually telling yeah. versus love Kanye, but versus what he was talking about. Sure. Um, it makes so much more sense because we get to a point of some people don't want to be a part of this congregation or that one or that one because yeah. of the specific, you know, pastor or the priest or, or you know, this they belief don't, system you know, or that, you know, you know, we can all sit next to each other <laughs> at this concert yeah. and hear something divine, spiritual. And yeah. even though we may not believe in each other, we mm-hmm. may not believe in uh, our beliefs. Mm-hmm. It does. It, it comes together and it brings that euphoric moment of togetherness. It brings an opportunity for for a very a higher community. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a very beautiful thing. You know, Martin Luther King called it the beloved community. You know, beloved by whom? Well, by God. And there are a lot of people who won't, um, you know, don't ascribe to that, oh, it's God, you know. But, hey, guess what? You know, that doesn't change what I believe. And, and you're right. I mean, there, you know, the emerging church is what some call it, some theologians call it, the emerging church. That, you know, it's a church without walls. And the Bible says that the kingdom is invisible. Yeah. Okay. So it, it bears, you know, has this pretty good uh, backup in Scripture. Uh, and, you know, I mean, yeah, the church is there. That's not going to happen. But I think maybe, you know, if, if we take him, you know, give him the benefit of the doubt of what he was saying is that it's it's the church as it was in your grandmother's day may be dead in terms of, you know, uh, everybody who says, okay, I'm a Christian. Well, what church do you belong to? Some people now, I'm a Christian. I don't belong to a church. You know, I, I, I think it's a, a very important thing to, to get together. There's scripture that says that forsake not the gathering together, mm-hmm. uh, you know, because there's something spiritually supernatural that happens when yep. a group of people uh, who love God come together. That could be at a concert. That could be in a club. You know, so again, I, I do like the idea I mean, the gospel according to jazz is about reaching beyond the walls of the church. So chapter four, we get a chance to do that. But um, I, I, I do know that, you know, people will have, you know, pronouncements that God is dead and that the church is dead. And, the, you know, you know what, man, that's the that's the, you know, the grain of sand is saying to, you know, the creator, you know. You're right. dead. <laughs> You're <laughs> okay. funny. You are really funny. <laughs> you know. um, to, okay, so to kind of go on to what the Gospel of Jazz chapter 4 goes beyond just the spiritualness of it. Um, I know that you said Curtis Mayfield, President Obama were yes. kind of some of the influences mm-hmm. for this. Paul McCartney. Um, yeah. Kind of tell me about where, I mean, like President Obama. So that's yeah. obviously a political sense. And right. today, everything that's going on, what exactly did you want to tie the spirituality with politics? All right, so I would say that the, um, the gospel is political. Very true. That, okay, <laughs> the gospel is subversive in many, many ways. And that Jesus was a subversive, that he was killed not because, uh, you know, you know, they... I, I can't think of a nuttier reason, but I mean, the fact is that he was tortured and killed because he came uh, against the religious system of that day. And he's, you know, he's out here talking to prostitutes and he um, he basically told them that, you know what, what what you're doing is 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 diametrically opposed to what my father intended to be done. Right. So he was subversive. And so it, it was political in the sense that he was always for the marginalized. Right. Oh, my God. Jesus was a socialist. Well, call it what you want. But, you know, common good, 
yeah, he was all about that. He was about the person who was being outcast. He was trying to reach that person. That's why he went straight for the, the poor. He went straight for uh, the prostitute, the one who was cheating people out of their money, you know, called a publican. He went straight for those people. And so, yeah, it's it's fascinating when you look at it from that standpoint. It is political. And people say, you know, well, you can't mix, you know, religion and politics. I'm like, politics is about ethics. Okay? Ethics is about religion. It's about mm-hmm. what's morals. right. Yeah, morals. What's the right thing to do? You know, that's what they spend their time on the Hill in Washington, D.C., talking about every single day. That's what politics is about. And so, you know, people say, I'm not into politics. Well, you know what? Yeah, yeah, you are, <laughs> because you do have some rights and wrongs in your head and, and some things that you know you you are frustrated because you see this happening or that happening. That's That's politics. So, mm-hmm. I mean, to say yes, maybe the way it is with our, electric, our electoral system, I can. That's a valid argument that that is sometimes ridiculous yes. and irrelevant. <laughs> but it is indeed about it. It's about what what would Jesus do? You know, that's that's called ethics. You know, and again, to take it, you know, outside of the spirituality, take it outside of the politics. Where can we talk about those two things without having to talk about them? Yeah, that everyone gets along is with music, yeah, and so it ties it, it together. Um, so now you also have this. Uh, you're going to be hosting a gospel cruise. Yes, indeed. Okay, yeah. that sounds interesting. Yeah, and, and it is something that was you know sort of outside of my wheelhouse because I'm a jazz musician. I play R and B music, and I love Jesus. So, right. but it just so happens that I grew up listening to gospel, and my dad was a pastor, and I was in the choir, and uh, and uh, some of my best friends are gospel musicians. You know, like Kirk Franklin, like Yolanda Adams, like Fred Hammond. Uh, these are all nice people. Yes, sir. <laughs> they're going to be uh, on this cruise. It's called the gospel music cruise.com. If you want to find out more information, the gospel music cruise.com. It's in March of 2016, our whole week in the Caribbean. There are worse places one could be. And um, <laughs> it's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to party. There's going to be a dance band. I mean, there's, it, it's really is going to be, it's going to be a, a gas. All right. And what was the website again? The gospel music cruise.com. The gospel music cruise. Okay. And then as far as now, so the DVD just came out. Yes. Where can everybody check the DVD? So out? go to face. The easiest thing is go to look for Kirk Whalum, okay. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, dot com. Just look up my name. K I R K W H A L U M. And you can find out all about the new CD and DVD. It's a double CD. DV, Ray, Blu-ray, all of that. Yeah. And then uh, before we go, uh, if you could use one word to define your career, what would that word be? I need about an hour to think that was good. <laughs> but, uh, um, communication, because really music is the ultimate language. I believe music is the language God speaks that, you know, um, it's all about communicate it's all about sound like even like we didn't even realize it until a few years ago when all of a sudden our iphones and our whatever you know it's all about music right and and so why wouldn't it make sense that's actually really interesting when you think about it like sound waves right i mean we wouldn't be broadcasting if it weren't for sound waves so it's it, it is absolutely about sound and it's about music and I believe that God speaks the language of music. He doesn't speak English. He can, but it's not. That's not his native tongue, or or her native tongue. You know, God is above gender, mm-hmm. right? And the and and the communication, absolutely, is about music. It's something that God does that that creates a universe that commun- communicates with our hearts. That 
that makes us know when in a time of 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 fear and devastation that everything is going to be all right you know it's a, it's a sound you know maybe not audible but it's something that god uses to speak to us and i believe that the jazz is maybe the closest thing to you're it. gonna make me cry <laughs> even a human alive like you right now <laughs> but thank you for stopping by one last time uh what's your the website yeah kirkwhalem.com or just go to facebook and type my name twitter any of that there you go and make sure you guys hit us up at bhl online on twitter instagram and facebook you guys can tweet me at dj jesse j until next week same time same place Peace. From producers Maria Menounos, Dario Kristen, Tiana Hobson, Kevin Undergaro, and the entire BHL crew, we would like to thank you for supporting Black Hollywood Live, the first online broadcast network dedicated to African-American entertainment. For questions and comments, contact us at info at blackhollywoodlive.com. Like us on Facebook, tweet us, or Instagram us at BHL Online. And I'm your BHL announcer, Scipio. Instagram me at Planet Scipio. Thank you for tuning in. Hollywood Redefined. The views expressed here are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of BHL or its owners or principals.